Sit down if you want to. Right in the middle of what's going on. I'm in the middle of an interrogation. Take a seat, young Skywalker. The middle children of history, man. Middle of the day, Alfred? Please, take a seat there. Right now, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Stop the middle, it's a base hit! Meeting in the middle. Fight, fight. They fought for the freedom of middle. 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 The middle of the middle of the middle. The middle of a war. Freaking ridiculous. Why don't we have a seat to talk about? No, not the middle seat. Prepare for a battle of tightness movie opinions and hot takes on the latest Middle Seats podcast. It's your best seat in the house for all things movies and entertainment. Welcome to the show. I'm the king of this group of monsters, Andrew Auger. Let's meet the rest <laughs> of them. You'll want to climb to the top of the Empire State Building for him, Mr. Nate Lungarini. <laughs> You're saying little monsters and all I'm thinking is Lady Gaga, but I guess we can work with that vibe, Drew. <laughs> Did I say little monsters? I just said I because that would have been a very pointed Lady Gaga reference for sure. I, I would climb Nate like the Empire State Building, but I digress. Oh, careful, uh, Jake. Gross. Children are present. <laughs> uh, when he wins, everyone loses, Mr. Jake Hensler. <laughs> Okay, I'm not even sure what monster that would be. I guess I guess Ghidorah. Oh, that's a it's a very direct reference to the poster of Alien versus Predator. <laughs> I see. <laughs> if you're just joining us for the first time, the Middle Seas Podcast is indeed your best seat in the house for all things movies and entertainment. Our show is divided into three segments. We have our lobby talk segment at the beginning, where one member of the crew pitches a topic, and we talk about it like we were in the lobby of a movie theater. Then we go into our news segment. A couple of good things today in that hemisphere that we're going to talk about and then we move into our major review of Godzilla versus Kong which you might have gotten from the the Titan talk and everything at the beginning gentlemen any let, let's let me pick your brain a little bit how you doing like anything you want to talk about how are we how you doing I am halfway through season three of Sopranos and halfway through season two of Veep I'm getting a lot of HBO Max done two of my top five favorite shows of all time both of them Veep is hilarious. Yeah, I'm. It's very clever. It's very fast, and the insults are, are a plus. Yes, there is a huge string of amazing insults that come from that show that I still quote every once in a while. <laughs> Any inspirations for Jake's openers here? <laughs> oh, yeah, I have a whole sure. separate list for them. Uh, some of them That's are fantastic. like really mean. <laughs> so I'm gonna. Yeah, every hold so often I'm like, oh. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's how you greet somebody? <laughs> oh, very nice. Nate, any watching anything fun, Nate? I have been dipping in and out of my girlfriend's binge of The Clone Wars, so I get to see <laughs> all the good parts, and she has to see all the bad arcs with Jar Jar. <laughs> it's been pretty good. It's perfectly noncommittal. <laughs> yeah, my girlfriend and I, we just finished that a couple of weeks ago. Pretty great stuff. Um, obviously, watching Falcon and Winter Soldier. We will be talking about that on the pod at some point, probably. Uh, I've also been watching, and I told Nate this off mic, Jake, have you heard of the show Invincible? I feel like you guys would really enjoy it. Basically, like a, it has like big kick-ass and the boys vibes. Um, very violent superhero show. Oh, yeah? Um, I didn't know it was violent. I saw a poster, but it, it looked kind of like goofy, just based off the poster. No, definitely not. <laughs> no, it is, very, <laughs> it is very, very violent. But I recommend mm. it, So, because I know you guys are <laughs> sick puppies. Indeed. All right. Let's move into our lobby talk segment. Let's all go to the lobby. You're in the lobby? What do you look like? I will blow up the block before you can make the lobby. So it's my week for lobby talk, and I felt like the topic choice was going to be kind of obvious today, basically because Godzilla vs. Kong gives us an in 
to do a versus segment. And that's always fun. People love pitting different movie characters against each other. It's happened, obviously, in movies across film history. Freddy vs. Jason, Alien vs. Predator, Godzilla vs. Kong, Batman vs. Superman. So it's been happening forever. But more fun are the big hypotheticals where you put two characters that would never actually cross paths together and kind of craft a scenario uh, around how that fight would go, who you think would win. So there's a lot of different choices. So basically, I, I pose the question, put two movie characters together, have them fight, how would it go? So I'll go last as a respectful thing as the host of this conversation. So I want to hear Nate's first. Well, then do I have a treat for you. I can't wait. So the, <laughs> the way that I see this going is that there's two types of versus movies. You have your your battle of wits versus movies. I think of stuff like The Prestige, where it's two characters trying to, to outdo and outbid each other throughout the whole course of the movie. Those are Nolan Bingo, by the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep, yep. Gotta get one mention in each podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have your your classic brawl versus movies so where the two characters are just trying to inflict as much damage to each other and to the world around them so that's your batman versus superman that's your godzilla versus kong your big destructive stuff so scouring over the world of media are there characters that can combine the best of both the wit and the brawn and i think i have it and Throughout the plot, I have no idea how you make it work, but if you can get Gandalf and Dumbledore on screen together, that could be so much fun. <laughs> ultimate, ultimate wizard battle. I was going to say, yeah, they kind of overlap in the characterization world, so it, it fits. <laughs> <laughs> how I see it ending is uh, Gandalf humorously realizes that one can't beat the other, so they just tie their beards together and they're stuck together fighting for eternity. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's one way to do it. (laughs) I would hope that there's a clear winner, and I'd be rooting for Gandalf the whole time. Nothing against Dumbledore. Gandalf's like the cool uncle. Dumbledore's the the principal that, you you know. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's he's too straight and narrow to win. That said, if the battle between Voldemort and Dumbledore in... Book five, The Order of the Phoenix, is anything to go off of. The spectacle here would be epic. That's one of the coolest wizards fights ever put to screen. And to have another version of that over the course of hopefully a whole movie, (laughs) I'd be down. I'd be so down. (laughs) I like it. So important clarification for me based on uh, power sets, I guess. Is this Gandalf the Grey or Gandalf the White? Mm. Uh, We'll do Gandalf the White. I was going to say, yeah. That, oh, then it's, a, then it's a wash. He's going to kick the shit out of him then. <laughs> <laughs> you could come up with, like, a cool a cool handicap, and then eventually he takes off his weighted bracelets like Goku and yeah. <laughs> full Gandalf the White, super powerful, finishes off the movie. It'd be epic. <laughs> and what do you think happens if a portal from another timeline opens up and Doctor Strange uh, pops through? I think they both oh. beat the crap out of Doctor Strange, personally. Uh it's the I age. think I think Dumbledore gets his gets his ass handed to him by Doctor Strange personally. But yeah, I I think Doctor Strange after seeing him fight Thanos with a couple of Infinity Stones, I think he holds his own. 
Now I feel like mm. we're being disrespectful to Dumbledore a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. All the Harry Potter fans are going to be yeah, like, it's a lot of, what? It's a lot of Dumbledore slander. You knocked the wand out, and that's like half his power there. So, yeah, uh. <laughs> and even even like vocally, Gandalf is better. You know, you shall not pass is so much better of a yell than Dumbledore's yell. If we're going to get really dark about it, Gandalf just has to take his sword out and cut off Dumbledore's hands, and then it's over. Well, to be fair, like, you could probably have Fox come in and get um, the the Gryffindor sword. So you could at least have that kind of sword fight, Uh, too, in the movie. That would be fun. True. Gandalf can bring in Shadow Facts. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, it's a dope matchup. There's there's an epic rap battle history on it. (laughs) The... The audience is there for an awesome wizard battle, and I'm all for it. Yeah, this is when I wish movie studios would just put money and politics aside and make things happen, you know? (laughs) Do it for the people. First of all, they're owned by the same company, so it could technically happen. Honestly, we're we're about to talk about a trailer in a little bit that features a lot of properties that are owned by Warner Brothers, you know? (laughs) It it can't be that difficult to put them all together. (laughs) All right, Jake, what's yours? You hinted that you have a lot of things— you, you needed some time to reflect. We started late because you needed to think. So We started late because I got out of work late. <laughs> but oh, yes, I needed, I needed yeah. to finish. This should uh, be good. So, so mine, is, mine is detailed. Um, so give me, give me a little a sec here to pull it up. Oh, my God. Documents. Wait, does he have a <laughs> script? Is this a middle seats first? So, uh, <laughs> sort of. Um, so I had, a, I had a couple different ideas, but what I settled on was – Who's considered the greatest hitman secret agent of all time versus who's probably the most popular of our time? James Bond versus John Wick. That's a fun combo. That, that is cool. <laughs> so yeah, I like how that. I have it going down is how we know these characters. Wick seems to always be being hunted. I know his past is he's a hitman, but lately he's hunted and that's how we know him. So I got to start it as Bond gets word that Wick is a threat and must be stopped. So Bond, uh, he's not an idiot. He goes for the easy kill first. He goes to take him out in, in a, you know, kind of an open area where Wick is out and about and he's going to be. But he only hits him in the side. So now w- Wick is bleeding bad. He's aware he's under attack. He makes a run for it. Bond chases him and uses his superior parkour to catch him. They engage in some hand-to-hand combat. But Wick gets <laughs> Wick gets the better of him there. And, and on the side of the street, uses a cardboard box corner to damage Bond's eye. Bond kicks him oh. into oncoming traffic and slips a lip bomb bomb into Wick's jacket pocket. Wick throws the jacket off, but the explosion still kind of hits him in the back, so he's knocked forward. Now Bond is on the run after being beat up a little bit, and Wick is chasing him. Bond's car is slicker with more guns and gadgets, but Wick doesn't care. So they go through a high-speed chase around the city, and Wick is crashing into him because Bond, as Bond uses oil slick to try and get him off his tail, and his guns are tearing apart Wick's car, which is just making him mad, obviously. He loves his car. So they're, they're getting to the outskirts and Wick realizes his car is pretty damaged and he's got a, you know, he's in dire situation. It's a make or break here to get the upper hand. So he takes his pistol, he leans out the window, shoots out one of Bond's tires, and as he's skidding, he T-bones him into, uh, you know, a divider. So now both their cars are totaled. You know, they're running off the highway ramp onto another street and they engage in gun foo. Wick pierces him a little bit more, but Bond lands some good shots as well. And once once they're out, they resort to their knives. So they're it's just knives. Their cars are done. Their gadgets are done. Their their guns are done. And after some 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 bruises from hand to hand combat and some lacerations from the knives, Wick kicks Bond's knee out, puts a knife in his ribs, and Spartan kicks him to the ground. So Bond is at his mercy. Bond starts to crawl away, gasping for air as Wick limps after him. 
Wick picks up a piece of broken concrete <laughs> on the side of the road to finish him off when an MI6 helicopter puts a light on Wick and forces him to back off or also be put away, therefore showing that Wick would win one-on-one, -on -one, but Bond's resources could give him the edge. Oh, my God. I, I feel like, I feel like, clap it up, clap it up. Okay. That was, this is also why we started late. I had to finish that. Intricately detailed in a great way. Um, I felt like I just sat through like a, like a thesis or a capping project presentation. And now it's time for the, uh, the questions portion. <laughs> Obviously we're talking Daniel Craig, James Bond, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to. I mean, like nobody else has the physicality that mm -hmm. they... John Wick would drop every other era James Bond. Maybe yeah. Pierce Brosnan gets a few licks yeah. in, but there's nobody else has a shot like against him. It it was very well sequenced. It sounds like it's going to cost six hundred million dollars to make, but it also probably, probably. Oh, but also no, because it's a lot of simple stuff. You know what I mean? Do you think you could stretch it out to a full ninety minutes? Uh, I mean. I did that in 15 minutes, so. <laughs> that was one action scene. There was no breathing room there. Um, I'm not really good at all the, the political, you know, who who did what kind of stuff, but I could definitely give it a shot. <laughs> yeah. Jake, the, the other 89 pages of the script just says, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, well, 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 we'll work on that in post. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. See, I like, I like how that ends because it makes it clear that, like, Wick could have been a company man if he wanted to, but he is... He's so talented and so skilled that he's above the, the level of James Bond. And it takes the backing of James Bond to protect yeah. him, basically. Because yeah. I feel like the, the story of John Wick is no matter what the odds are, how, however much the odds are stacked against him, he seems to prevail over whatever the obstacle is. So I feel yeah. like in that gritty kind of sense, he would get the edge over Bond. But Bond literally has an entire organization behind him where, as of John Wick 3, he does not. No, certainly not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I had a couple other ones too, but that was the one I settled on. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me get to mine, and then you can mention a couple on the way out. Um, mine is kind of a brain on over brawn thing, a little bit. Kind of like what Nate was referencing, where there are different kind of versus battles. Though these two, I'm going to say they're both female action heroes. So we've got a mano a mano between two of the more iconic female action characters. They both can handle themselves in a fight, but one of them has shown themselves to be more intuitive and to escape and survive in certain situations. So we all love Mad Max Fury Road, and we love Furiosa and Mad oh, Max yes. Fury Road. She is such a, obviously lives in this post-apocalyptic world. She has to scratch and claw to survive. She has a mechanical arm. She knows her way around this desert wasteland, which is devoid of technology. So she creates an interesting contrast for Ellen Ripley from the Alien movies who, of course, is surrounded uh -huh. by technology and has to use mm. the technology to defeat the aliens and protect herself and protect all of her crewmates in the various movies and stuff like that. So Ripley feels more brainy, but she can still fight. Furiosa, obviously, is an intense warrior who can take anyone out. So you're going to have to find a way to do a fight between the two of them. I, for whatever reason, a neutral ground to me, I picture like a sewer. You know what I mean? Like That's a cool setting for like a tunneled confined space where there's water flowing and everything location is key and also an out for the fight is key because i think furiosa one-on-one -on -one beats ripley pretty good mm. but ripley is smart enough to know how to expose some kind of mechanical flaw she can do something and disable the the arm mechanism 
that Furiosa has. And that leaves Furiosa vulnerable to some hits. You know what I mean? Because she's one arm now. Yeah. Or some other way where she can kind of, similar to what happens in both versions of Justice League, where Steppenwolf has to escape. He floods the sewer area and is able to get out of there and come out on top. So just finding a different a different path to get away from the fight. That's That was what Ellen Ripley was so good at in like Alien and Aliens yeah. where she jumps in that mech suit and realizes the only way she's going to beat this queen is by using the resources <laughs> around her. So are you pitching the final fight being mech suit versus giant metal car? We can, we can build to awesome. that, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think I think what I, what I just pitched is like a late first act beginning second act thing. And then eventually we build to you know, where we can utilize more technology and stuff like that. I have no idea how I would put them together, but I guess with Ripley, you could you could do time travel or alternate universe jumping. It's sci-fi. You can do whatever the hell you want. So so that was kind of the path <laughs> I went with it. And you never have to focus on the plot of too much of these no. versus concepts. <laughs> Hollywood writers definitely don't. That's a super interesting matchup, too, because both of them are survivors and are able to adapt to scenarios as they come. But you're right. But they I do it in like, different ways, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they do. What's her name? Furiosa definitely wins hand 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 combat, so it depends on the environment that they're that they're fighting in, and what what resources they have. I like that a lot. That's really fun. Yeah. So that's that's what I came up with. Um, Jake, I know you had a couple of honorable things you want to talk about. Just really quick, like you can't do. I I can't get a whole <laughs> essay here, but you of can course, just mention course. what the matchups are. Um. So I thought Hawkeye Legolas could be fun, though I think Legolas wins. Yeah. That's a Clint Eastwood. <laughs> gun battle but just with arrows who can shoot faster yeah and no disrespect to hawkeye but legolas you know um i also thought uh doctor strange versus neo could be really interesting from the matrix Mm. i i see nate's nate's wheels uh turning and one that i I started to write was the nice guys russell crowe and ryan gosling versus 21 jump streets jonah hill and channing tatum that would be hilarious (laughs) I'd watch the shit I out of I started it. Basically, the nice guys are ordered to follow 21 Jump Street, thinking they're predators as, like, older guys in a younger environment. But they're doing an under, another undercover drug bust, so they end up kind of following and fighting each other and then teaming up when Ryan Gosling's daughter is given the drug. Oh. That's probably the most realistic uh, matchup on this whole segment. Yeah, and, <laughs> like, out of, out of all that, we could pitch that, and somebody might pick that up. That would be like an incredible physical comedy mm-hmm. Tatum and Russell Crowe knowing what they're doing and then Jonah Hill right, and, exactly. and Ryan Gosling like going to punch each other and hitting each other's knuckles and shaking their hand out and yeah <laughs> yeah like being that. like like you're fat you're old well you're actually old too well you know I have a gun so do I well yeah. and then right, why are we talking Gosling about it and Tatum are both so f- beautiful yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly the, the jokes are endless we need Lord Miller stat. By the way, Neo gets his teeth kicked in if it's outside of the Matrix, for the record. <laughs> That's also true. Yeah. <laughs> he works in accounting otherwise. <laughs> he's done. I would love to hear Nate's take on Doctor Strange Neo because I know he's a he's a big Matrix guy. Oh, well, yeah. That would be fun. But another time. This segment's yeah. gone on too long. <laughs> yes. I know. I had a lot of fun with this. Yeah. So that'll do it for our Lobby Talk segment. If you guys have a versus that you want to pitch to us, please let us know. But now, let's move into our news segment. And this just in, a news break special report. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. So way back in 2019, we reviewed a movie called Knives Out, which we all really liked. 
uh, a lot. Uh, obviously, a uh, murder mystery movie starring Daniel Craig and a bevy of other great actors, directed by Ryan Johnson, who made Star Wars The Last Jedi and Looper, and it was a huge success. It was a big, big success. Came out Thanksgiving, was still making money. When I saw it on Christmas, it was a sold-out show. So obviously, the next question is, when are you making a sequel? Ryan Johnson had already confirmed that a sequel was coming, um, basically saying Craig would return. It would be a different set of characters, kind of like a Murder on the Orient Express, Agatha Christie novel that keeps the main detective character and changes the scenario. We now found, have found out that a second and a third film are in development. They are both going to go to Netflix. Johnson has signed a deal with Netflix to produce and distribute their movies. Uh, they give him immense creative control. Netflix doesn't have, can't give him any notes, which that's probably a good thing. He doesn't seem to need them. Johnson is a big part of the deal. Craig is going to be in both of them. The budget has to be at least $40 million, just like the 2019 original. Johnson and Craig stand to walk away with upwards of $100 million in this deal, which, I mean, really good for Ryan wow. Johnson. I feel good for him. He started yeah. as a very low budget, like Brick, which was made for like $40,000 in a ham sandwich, really good murder mystery, and now he's making massive movies. I'm pretty sure he one of his starts was um, Breaking Bad, the Ozymandias episode, that infamous episode toward the end oh. of the final oh, even season. I think even he did before that. that. Yeah, he, he did one of the more controversial Breaking Bad episodes too, way back when. Remember the Fly episode? That was him as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, so wow. He's, I like the Fly. He was Me in, too, yeah. He was a big part of Breaking Bad. Your point is taken. Um, good for him in terms of it. Beyond just saying Absolutely. good for him, are you guys excited for this? How about... How about this? One actor you want to see in a Knives Out sequel? I want another big ensemble, for sure. Oh, yeah. oh um, for sure. Yeah. Is there somebody specifically you want to be part of that ensemble is my thing. I couldn't 100% tell you why, but the first name I thought of was Mark Ruffalo. But I would also really like to see like a Jake Gyllenhaal or even a Ryan Gosling. Oh, I will always vouch for more Ryan Gosling in my life. <laughs> 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 Just a little bit topical, but you, you said... You said our good friend Captain America. Why not get the new one in there? Uh, Wyatt Russell's Ooh. been a phenomenal bad guy in the new Winter Soldier TV series, right? Let's get John Walker in here. <laughs> Maybe he can play. So he used some of those characters, you know, like what they don't normally do. So Chris Evans was a bit of a, 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 a spidey bitch in Knives Out. And he's a super nice guy and he played Captain America. Maybe we can get Tom Hanks to play another, a really dicky kind of guy too. Yeah, like his character in The Lady Killers. You know, it would be cool with the Wyatt, the Wyatt Russell thing if you got Kurt Russell in there as well and Goldie Hawn and you made it a family affair. Kurt bring, Russell's wow. another great old guy. That would guy be awesome. To, to add into that. He, he would bring so much charisma to it. Holy cow. I like it a lot. I liked the Ruffalo choice uh, because I think he could fill like the Lakeith Stanfield role as like a law enforcement liaison potentially. Or he, mm. could, or he could be in a different role. Uh, he's not a person who pigeonholed for yeah, whatever he, reason he was kind of the partner in crime to leo and shutter island so that was the first thing i thought of yeah mm -hmm. i also thought uh zodiac a little bit yeah he's great in zodiac he's a very versatile actor so he could play almost anybody that johnson needs him to i think yeah i think that's why i picked him for first person i thought of and this is just like you go down the who's hot right now list i daniel kaluuya would eat some kind of role oh in, yeah in I don't oh, know what yeah. it would be. I don't know if he'd be the central villain, but I just picture him like chewing on pretzels and being the villain in Widows and then also being the charismatic lead in Get Out. and <laughs> Chewing on pretzels. Yeah. No, I think you're right. He would he would eat up the source material. You're absolutely right. That's a great yeah. choice. And then in terms of a femme fatale female lead, again, going on the top of the hot list, there's, there's nobody 
sizzling like Anya Taylor-Joy right now. So I think mm -hmm. she would do really well as like a alluring presence who might possibly be in on whatever crime that Daniel Craig's Benoit Blanc, uh, who, by the way, better have a different accent this time around with no explanation. <laughs> <laughs> He's Australian oh, this time. I would take that. Like, yeah, for real. Like nobody would care. <laughs> you're you're right. If they just rolled with it, everybody would go, okay. Back to back to female cast for a second there. You know who's a charismatic actor who I haven't seen in anything recently? Where the heck is Jennifer Lawrence? She'd I was be just perfect that. for this. She took some time off for something. Personal life stuff. But yeah, I mean mm. it is time for her to return. She's coming back with the Adam McKay movie. Uh, with her and Leo at the end of this year, so that'll be good. Okay, that's good. Right, right. Uh, but yes, no, don't don't disagree with that. I think that's a good choice. All in all, like Knives Out universe, I love the first one. I'm a little concerned, like about the lack of breathing room between potentially a second and third project with this universe. But if it's good, <laughs> I won't care. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I adore the first one. I just thought it was so original for its time. And it's hard to keep that kind of originality and creativity rolling in an episodic type of series. Ditto. Yeah, there's there's a reason there's only so many great movies like that, you know? Yeah, so that is a, that is a challenge he's going to have to figure out because the first one obviously has a – would you call it a twist? It's it's a subversion, I would say is a better yes. word, of the, of the mystery genre. And you can't do that twice, so – Mm -mm. I think this time you just got to have fun with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Get get the actors, get a good story, roll with it. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be fine. So before we list every actor in Hollywood, yeah, we're, we're excited for that. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's move on to – I'm moving up our trailer talk here a little bit because we usually do it as our last news story. But our final news story flows right into our review. So we're going to move up the big trailer that everybody's talking about right now. It's very nostalgic and near to dear to my heart. I never thought we would see the day 24 years after the original that we would get a second Space Jam movie. But the trailer is here and we got our first look at LeBron James and Space Jam, A New Legacy. Welcome, King James. I am the king of this domain. What'd you do to my son? Where's Dom? The only way you're getting your son back is if you and I play a little basketball. Wait. I'm a cartoon? What's up, Doc? Come on ride, baby, I know what you're looking for. A dream team. Let's try that again, shall we? Welcome to... The Space Jam. So we were one or two years old when the first Space Jam came out in 1996, depending on, I think we were all one, so I don't even know why I'm saying that, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 1990, no, November, <laughs> November of 1996 is when the original Space Jam came out with Michael Jordan. Um, it is probably my... And this doesn't feel like an original opinion, especially for our age group, but it's probably my top guilty pleasure movie ever. It is a pretty crappy movie that that I love watching. <laughs> it's just so fun. I have such a good time with it. Like I said, 24 years later, LeBron James takes up the mantle. He stars in this one. 
It's the first Looney Tunes movie since Looney Tunes back in action back in 2003, 18 years ago since that movie. Uh, Brendan Fraser had a fully operational career, if that tells you how long ago it was. Uh, R.I.P. Yeah. Yeah, I like Brendan Fraser. That was rude of me, but it's also factually <laughs> accurate. <laughs> the thing about this trailer is that it shows that it's not going to be a carbon copy of the first movie, which I think was a worry for some people. Let me just read the plot synopsis because it is insane. When basketball champion and global icon LeBron James and his young son Dom, not played by Bronny Jr., uh, played by an actor named Cedric Joe, uh, his young son dreams of being a video game developer. They're trapped in a virtual space by a rogue AI named Algae Rhythm, or is it AIG Rhythm? Whatever, who cares? Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle plays him. LeBron must get them home safe by leading Bugs Bunny and the rest of the Looney Tunes to victory over the digitized champions on the court, the Goon Squad, which appear to be these powered-up version of famous professional basketball players like uh, Damian Lillard and Clay Thompson, uh, LeBron's Lakers teammate, Anthony Davis. And then, oh, and by the way, every single Warner Brothers property in history will make some kind of cameo, including A Clockwork Orange, which, uh, in- <laughs> yikes, interesting <laughs> choice. A lo- lot of interesting choices for the Easter eggs. There's a Pennywise reference that I'm sure kids will love to see in the background. Uh, yeah, bloody teeth and all. Uh, court- courtside seat for the Night King. So, listen, this is really stupid, but <laughs> is it on brand? And does that dissuade you from any kind of excitement you might have from it? Go ahead, Nate. Oh, boy. Well, maybe I'm the wrong person to start with this because I don't have a whole lot of nostalgia for the original Space Jam. I think I saw it for the first time in my 20s with you at college. (laughs) You're also you're not a sports Uh, ball guy either, though. So, nope, I am not a sports ball guy either. So you lose me there. Um, I did like the Looney Tunes growing up, and I really do dig like that type of integrated animation style with cartoon characters and regular characters for stuff like who framed roger rabbit and the looney tunes escape that we mentioned it just feels fun to see that happen in a comedic setting this movie is bizarre looking i'm seeing a lot of internet comments comparing it to ready player two because <laughs> it's basically a hodgepodge just like ready player one was of all these current Warner Brothers material. We'll see if they do fun stuff with it or if it's just little background cameos. Um, Like, are we going to ride on the dragon uh, from Game of Thrones and defeat the Night King? Or is it just going to be a background gag? It remains to be seen. Jake, before you launch in, I stopped reading the uh, synopsis before I got to the best lines. Let me just read that. It's Toons versus Goons in the highest stake challenge of LeBron's life. It will redefine his bond with his son and shine a light on the power of being yourself. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. What, what? So, Jake, what does that mean to you? Um, it, it means that uh, I also have no connection to basketball. Basketball is probably, of the major sports, probably the one that I would watch the least. I just never got into it. Um. I also did not have a connection to this movie growing up. I probably I probably saw it as a kid, but like was not something that I threw on, was not something that I grew up with. So I'm not nostalgic for it, like Nate said. That being said, this trailer kind of sold me a little bit. When they announced this, I immediately had a big eye roll and was like, why? 
what it what does it matter? And how like, long ago did they announce this? Oh, it's this right, has w- been wasn't a completely different basketball star supposed to head this? this is, so it's always been LeBron as the lead. Okay, it's been in some stage of development. I feel like for at least let's let's say like seven or eight years. So, I, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I've, yeah. <laughs> I've never particularly cared. And even when they officially announced that this was going to happen, uh, same thing. I was like, I I really do not care. Um, but that trailer actually looks fun. It looks like they're putting effort and at least some kind of style into this. Whether the script is going to be any good, we'll we'll find out. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go on the record and say no. But <laughs> <laughs> well, right. Well, we have until July to find out. But the fact that they're cramming all these characters and trying their best to really make it fun and colorful and upbeat and you know and still reference all the Looney Tunes. Like I don't know. I don't I don't often root for movies to fail. So I hope it's fun. I hope it's good. And I like LeBron yeah. as a as a person. Again, I don't watch basketball, but. Mm. It feels like this is going to be like a relic of the moment because the big thing right now with Spider-Verse and Ready Player One, like Nate mentioned, is just get all of your IPs together and, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and, th- <laughs> and pray for this the seems best, like yeah. the, the kid, the kid version of that concept. Although, again, as we talked about, some of the IPs that they chose are not exactly well known among children um, right. and, and including the Looney Tunes, if we're going to be like that. Because it yeah. has been, it's been a while since they were relevant. Well, that that's the thing. This movie yeah. could be more for people like us, you know, who will get the references. It's got to be a little bit. There's some cute references to, and these these probably went way over your guys' head, but there there are cute references to LeBron's basketball career as well. Like there's a yeah. moment where Lola Bunny, who's going to be voiced by Zendaya, by the way, which is interesting in its own right. Um, she throws an alley oop to LeBron, mm-hmm. and she does. She strikes a pose that is a very famous pose when Dwayne Wade threw him an alley-oop back when he played in Miami. So if there's a lot of that stuff there, that's all there. You know, this needs to appeal to fans of the first film while being its own thing. It needs to appeal to basketball fans, and it needs to appeal to kids. So if it, if it can just get a little bit for everybody, I think it'll succeed. It, we're, we're, talking, we're talking wooden seat ceiling probably, unless it's <laughs> really good. But at the same time, you know, it, it's better than nothing. Directed by Malcolm D. Lee, who did Girls Trip and Night School and The Best Man. So not exactly. We're not talking Scorsese yeah. here behind behind the dish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think my biggest hope for it is that I hope that the Looney Tunes still are front and center to the movie and all the extra branding that Warner Brothers crams in here doesn't try to steal their spotlight. Yeah. It'd be very easy for them to try to push whatever series they want to do well on their on their HBO Max platform to <laughs> be like front and center of this yeah, movie, right. you know. Same way that Paramount Plus is really pushing SpongeBob content for Camp Coral. I I hope that's not the case, but it very well could be. You know, be you know it, it's funny you mentioned SpongeBob because I thought of a different SpongeBob analogy. I think it's gonna be like the second SpongeBob movie, Sponge Out of Water. Remember they advertised it as like, oh, this is gonna be SpongeBob in three D. But then most of the movie was in two D and it was like a traditional SpongeBob episode. I think it's going to be like that. Like we're going to get hints of this big third act where the the Looney Tunes become 3D and they're surrounded by all these references and stuff. But I think mm-hmm. it's going to be LeBron with Bugs and Daffy most of the time, whether it's in the 2D universe or if they're jumping from universe to universe to try to put together some kind of team. So they'll, they'll still be there. You know what I mean? Like they'll still be present. Real quick before we move on, mm-hmm. gun to your head. Who's your favorite Looney Tunes character? Daffy. I, I don't know. I always liked uh, Wiley e. Coyote, Roadrunner, and Bugs Bunny. 
It's a good so, list. Wiley's probably my second favorite. <laughs> I love Daffy, um, but I'm gonna go. I'll go with Taz because. Uh, oh yeah, Taz is great. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. Every every four year old boy acted like Taz at some point in their yep. life. Just absolute <laughs> chaos. I used to have yeah. his video game for uh, Game Boy Color, actually, and it literally was just you go around and wreck shit, and that's the end of the game. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> Can you get me a copy of that? Yeah, right. Uh, Space Jam: A New Legacy coming out in mid July on HBO Max and in theaters on the same day. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna keep this real quick because this flows really nicely into our review. Uh, we just wanted to. Let's take a look at the box office because it's been a while. We'll do a quick box office wrap. Godzilla vs. Kong in its opening five days opened to $48.5 million. So that sounds pedestrian. That would probably be a disappointment in a different era. But it is by far the biggest opening during this pandemic. It crushed both Tenet's $20 million and Wonder Woman 1984's $16 million. It has made roughly $350 million worldwide with not much else happening in April. It's posed to have a nice little run here. As we start to slowly but surely see things start to gain momentum at the box office, May, mostly quiet. There's a Quiet Place Part 2 at the end of the month. Black Widow, of course, was there. It's moved to July. And then June, the floodgates kind of reopen again with Fast 9 and a bunch of other movies coming out, eventually leading up to what will be a very busy back half of the year. So Nate, obviously, as a big box office expert here, this is this has to be a good sign, right? Oh, I cannot wait for regular box office updates again. That's going to make me so happy. Um, and it's it's exciting that Godzilla, of all things, after a really disappointing run with Godzilla, King of the Monsters, is kind of heralding the new age again. Uh, it goes back to a, something that I've been saying pretty consistently throughout the pandemic, is that mid-budget movies might be suffering through all this, but blockbusters are still going to draw crowds to a theater. Obviously less than normal times, but we're still opening up. Most theaters have capacity limits right now, and a lot of people just aren't comfortable or aren't vaccinated enough yet. But people want to see the spectacle of a giant monkey fighting a giant radioactive lizard, and that's getting people's butts in seats, and I think that's a great thing. I, I do really hope that theaters bounce back to the numbers that they had pre-COVID um, and hopefully sooner rather than later because we had such a phenomenal run going up until last April. Jake, you saw Godzilla vs. Kong in theaters. How many people were in your screening? Was it was it like old times? Did it feel like that? Uh, not quite, but pretty close. More than I More than I thought there would be. I've gone to a couple movies now during the pandemic. There's usually no more than like 10 people in there, including myself. There was there was a good amount of people in there. Although I was kind of like, who are all you people? Go home, this is my thing. Uh, I was also kind of <laughs> happy to see that. I was like, cool. I'm glad people are actually coming out and supporting movie theaters again. Yeah. Even though this is on HBO Max and you could all find this for free tomorrow, I'm glad you're here. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, was, it was a bittersweet moment for me going to see Godzilla vs. Kong because I've been going to the movies, but like you're saying, Jake, it hasn't been an audience like it was for this. I had a bittersweet moment where I uh, lowly shushed under my breath uh, as somebody was talking. I was like, oh, it's nice. It's <laughs> nice to have idiots here and here again with me. <laughs> TBT. <laughs> yeah, right. Very nostalgic. I, I have nothing else to add. Support movie theaters. I've, I've been banging that drum since we came back back in December. It's very important now more than ever that you guys support movie theaters. Um, this is about to be a fully vax pod. 
So now you guys all should too when you feel comfortable. I drove like three hours to Connecticut to see Tenet in theaters. Yeah. So everybody go to theaters. <laughs> I, I did the same. I moved all the way to Massachusetts. Those were dark times, but things are starting to get back to normal. A little when I bit, crack addicts at movies. Give me the theater. <laughs> right. I need it. Where's my Dolby surround sound and IMAX screens? <laughs> That's how I saw Kong and Godzilla. I, I paid the extra couple of bucks. I found my showtime. I found my good seat. I went. I wore my mask the whole time. Uh so it was Godzilla vs. Kong worth $48.5 million in its first five days? Let's talk about it in our review. We need Kong. The world needs him. To stop what's coming. It's Godzilla. Yeah. Godzilla's out there and he's hurting people and we don't know why. Yeah. The myths are real. Yeah. The war. Come on. And they're the last ones standing. Who bows to who? Nobody gonna stop for me. Here we go. Kong bows to no one. This is the fourth movie in Warner Brothers' MonsterVerse, which of course started in 2014 with Godzilla. Then you had 2017's Kong Skull Island, and then 2019's Godzilla. I wrote in my notes, Kong of the Monsters. Uh, it is King of the Monsters. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like uh, direct- the first one better. <laughs> yeah, right. Directed by Adam Wingard, who uh, mostly known for horror movies and thrillers before this. He made a really good underrated horror movie called You're Next. Uh, he made the Blair Witch reboot, which was not great, but, you know, he tried. <laughs> uh, an- another movie that a lot of people like, The Guest. Uh, so he's done a good variety of stuff. This is his first big budget movie, which, of course, has been a theme, really, throughout this entire MonsterVerse. They keep giving these indie directors budget between Gareth Edwards and Jordan Vote Roberts with Kong Skull Island and Michael Doherty with Godzilla King of the Monsters, which did not work out because Homie didn't know what to do with the money and obscure all the fights through the rain. Uh, big cast, Alexander Skarsgård, Rebecca Hall, Brian Tyree Henry, Isaac Gonzalez, Demian Bashir, uh, Billy Bobby Brown and child Kyle Chandler are the only carryovers, I believe, from King of the Monsters. The only ones that we care about, at least. <laughs> uh, very basic plot. Godzilla's pissed off at something. We don't really know what. I, well, people people who are paying attention will figure out pretty quickly what it is. <laughs> Kong is being watched by Monarch. They're trying to get him off of Skull Island and to a new home. Him being out in the open at all invites Godzilla to, you know, try to beat the crap out of him. And that's kind of where we go. There's more, there's more to it than that, but it's nothing we have to get into right now. So we've talked a lot about our, our expectations for this when the trailer first came out. Jake, I think the first question, the easiest question, because nothing else you say after this will matter too much. It might push your rating, but th- does it fulfill the promise for you of what a Godzilla versus Kong movie sh- you wanted it to be? Because it's not as easy as we think. Um, I, I would say in parts. There's the action is good, but I would even controversial opinion. I would even say as good as it is, it could have been better. I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. Of course, the the human characters. I could only tell you one name of the human characters, and it's because Millie Bobby Brown recurs in this movie and Godzilla King of the Monsters. Other than that, I don't know anybody's name. Not important. Um, <laughs> a lot of people's motivations and how they come to conclusions and know things and, you know, bit bit of nonsense in there for sure. Bit of nonsense. But uh, overall, and th- this is in the trailer, so it's not a, not a spoiler. When Kong throws that punch to Godzilla's temple on that long battleship-looking thing in the middle of the ocean... Yes, and that's what we're looking for. So overall, yeah, the inner child in me, uh, when that first happened, I was like, 
okay. Give me more of that, please. And uh, yeah, they delivered. They delivered. Uh, I just, I wanted, there's some moments where they go really big and I just wanted them to keep doing it. But there's one in particular that I got to wait for spoilers to talk about. But um, that'll explain my thoughts a little bit more once we get there. But overall, good. And uh, del- delivered on the fights more or less. And the plot was kind of to be, you know, what we expected. Nate, were you satisfied? This is what Godzilla, King of the Monsters, should have been. Yes, okay. Just dumb, fun, big boys punching other big boys. And and just go nuts. Um, I do agree with Drake's sentiment, though. Uh, The fights that this movie has deliver, but I wanted... A little bit more than they gave. I wanted to focus less on the human characters. They're definitely better this time around. We spend less time with them at a time, but we probably still have the same amount of time as we did with King of the Monsters, if that makes sense. It's like our smaller doses more spread out, but it's the same dosage at the end of the day. There's still a lot of human character and human element to this movie that... I don't think anybody cares about. (laughs) Let's see. Um, The special effects are still incredible. Godzilla looks so good. Kong looks so good. Oh, yeah. And some of the environments, um, one which isn't really featured in trailers at all, but takes up a pretty good portion of the movie, is really cool to look at. Overall, I, I was satisfied, but... The movie definitely was even dumber than I expected. And that's saying a lot because <laughs> my expectations for plot were pretty low. And if you even – it's not even a magnifying glass. It's like you look at these with binoculars facing the wrong way. and It's going to really bother like the inner plot nerd of you. But don't yeah, focus but on it and you'll be okay. Should you even been even looking? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And – We'll, we'll get more into this. And I'll let you let you talk in a sec, Drew. But this is on par with like the Fast and Furious movies for me, where they kind of intrinsically get a pass for really dumb logic, just because that's the genre of the movie it's going for. And it, it's weird how we do give that pass to certain movies, and we don't to others. Um, this one at least earns it with the freaking name Godzilla and Kong are in the movie. <laughs> So have a little fun with it and you'll be okay. <laughs> I think, because I, I was thinking along the same lines as you in terms of not the Fast and Furious comp, but you know what it reminded me a lot? This feels like a movie from the early 2000s to late 90s where the, the, the movie I kept coming back to, and I think it's because of the extended cast and the very cheesy dialogue is Independence Day. It has a lot of the same vibes as that movie where it is, you know, it's the popcorn flick that, only gets better the less you think about it. Um, And I think a big part of it is tone and direction. And I think Adam Wingard deserves a lot of credit because we saw how things went wrong with Godzilla King of the Monsters, a movie that I legitimately hate. I I think it is an an abject failure of what it tries to do. And (laughs) on top of the fights being incomprehensible and very hard to see and poorly choreographed, the characters are aggressively stupid in that movie, but we're not reviewing Godzilla <laughs> King of the Monsters. I would say everything script-wise here, for me, was acceptable. The characters are not great, but they are good enough, and they're played by good enough actors 
uh, the plot has enough, like, sure, logic to it. That <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, so it's, it's, not, it's not doing things that are aggressively stupid, right. which, is a, which is a big Why deal. Not? Right, exactly. And that is very big because for me, the, act, the action really worked here. Wingard's direction of the action scenes, it, he really nails how this is supposed to feel like a prized fight. You know what I mean? Like, this, it's just, just a big UFC fight, basically, but between a giant monkey and a giant lizard. But it's actually, uh, it's actually funny you say that. The heavyweight championship of the world in UFC was Saturday, and then Godzilla versus Kong came out the following Wednesday or Thursday. And I was like, what a week. Oh, I thought you were saying they were going to be up. They were up for the title belt. <laughs> I thought that's where you're going with that. <laughs> yeah, the, the winner fights the winner of Godzilla versus Kong. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like you know, like big finishing moves and big momentum shifts and fight in the fights, and everything is really clear. And there is a good amount of destruction. You get the logic of w- what each of them are doing. There are a lot of like wink, wink, like moments. I like chuckled to myself because it was such a cool concept and such a stupid thing to see happen for me this did everything it needed to do you know what i mean tolerable enough in the aspects that we were worried about and it was good to great i agree maybe we could have had one more fight but like kind of probably two to three main godzilla kong battles and then other things going around and the other things are paced well enough within the plot that i wasn't getting bored i wasn't like all right let's move on to the next bout if that makes sense Mm mm-hmm I, I had a really good time with this. I, I found it pretty entertaining. Where do you guys want to go from here? Do you want to go more negative or want to go more positive? I could go either or, but they're gonna. It's all gonna be similar. If we want to start negative, we'll start with the humans. If we want to start positive, we'll start with the monsters. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that about sums that up. Just, yeah. It's yeah. gonna be that. <laughs> it's a, it's a choose your own adventure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's do negative first with the humans here. Uh, both both monsters essentially have their own hype teams. You know, you have <laughs> Millie Bobby Brown's little group, which is following like a conspiracy theorist trying to infiltrate this big high tech like what's what's like Elon Musk's organization? Like, yeah, like SpaceX. Tesla. Yeah, yeah, Tesla, whatever it is. It, it's like that, um, but with monsters, and they're hyping up Godzilla and how cool Godzilla is, and then you have. The King Kong team, which is relatively new to this movie, and they're trying to go on a mission to get King Kong off of Skull Island and then to to lead them to a thing, and that thing is spoilery. And they're hyping him up. And because you gotta focus on both groups roughly equal amount, that's what I was kind of alluding to earlier. There's just so much time with human characters that could be better spent just focusing on the monsters doing something cool. That really bothered me probably like halfway through. I'm just like, okay, we get it. Move a little faster here or cut this part out altogether because nothing you're doing is actually mattering to the story of giant monkey, giant lizard. Yeah. Right. I'm sure somewhere in their contract, everybody needs a certain amount of face time, but like we, the audience, don't care. (laughs) And like even other Godzilla movies, um, like Godzilla Final Wars is one that I watched when I was younger and that had one group of humans following Godzilla fighting all of the monsters. So you only had to deal with five characters instead of 20 or whatever this movie has. Yeah, mm. I think you could, you can cut Team Godzilla almost completely from this movie. Like, mm. and you wouldn't really lose much. It's just because Millie Bobby Brown was in the last movie. I, I did like a little bit of what they were doing with Team Kong, especially with the young little, the young girl, um, because I thought she actually did a really nice job 
Kaylee Huddle. Huddle? I hope I'm saying that right. She plays Gia, who is a young deaf orphan who who has this special bond with Kong. And I thought a lot of that kind of worked because it humanized Kong. Uh, yeah. And it made him like a legitimate character in the movie. Nate, you had you had a line that you wanted to save for your back pocket, but do you want to mention something about the title right now? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> this this movie should be titled Kong versus Godzilla because it is 100% Kong's movie. We spend so much more time with him than we do yeah. Godzilla. And as a self-proclaimed Kong hater, because Godzilla <laughs> wins every matchup he's in. I'm sorry. Get over yourselves, Hollywood. <laughs> anyway, they made Kong a central character because Kong can at least smile and frown and emote, I guess, and a little bit more relatable. And Godzilla's just giant crocodile face. <laughs> um, <laughs> crocodile face. If you are a hardcore Godzilla fan, I can see you being just a little bit gypped because you get a lot less screen time with your favorite boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he also has had his, he's had his two movies. He's okay, I think. I guess. I just think Godzilla's, I, I really do like the legendary Godzilla design. I think it looks really, really cool in a way that even more modern Godzilla's just, it still looks cartoony and cheesy. And this one is iconic in its own right. And I think it's really, really cool. I just, I, he's too fat. Why is he so fat? Like it's stock. It's stocky. Oh, he, lo- he like, looks, and he looks, <laughs> he needs to be that massive to support all that weight. And uh, I think they've even done like physics videos on him and he should be <laughs> twice as wide as what he actually is yeah, to support probably. that much muscle mass. It's, it's just the cankles for me. It's the cankles. <laughs> yes, he does have cankles. <laughs> yeah. He looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger in junior. Like, <laughs> all right. That's your opinion. I, I no, really I, I like, like it too, Nady. I'm with you. I like his face. Like they give us some good close-ups of his face and he was a little sassy bitch in this. <laughs> There's some, they do give us some face close-ups. There, there are really some do. really funny reaction shots in this. Um, where, where were, I'm sorry, I took us way off track here by fat shaming Godzilla. Uh, <laughs> my, my point my point was, I think, are we all in agreement that Team Kong in terms of, it doesn't have to be by that much, but Team Kong was a little bit more engaging than Team Godzilla? Yes. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, just, and, I, and I did like the, the little girl that you brought up. Yeah, um, me too. I was, I was expecting to just not care about her. And yeah, I would have been more than fine if she led Team Kong and we dropped all the other characters that were on that team. Yeah, I, I kind of think they should have <laughs> dropped Isaac Gonzalez. I just don't think she, other than, you know, that she's the, the daughter of Damien Bacher, she doesn't really add a whole lot, in my opinion. And she irked me because there's, th- I counted, I saw this movie twice and I counted on the second time. There's either three or four times where she refers to Kong as the monkey. And I want to be like, you know what? You know who he is. Have a little respect. Yeah, excuse me. You know <laughs> damn well who he is. <laughs> so do not be like, what's the monkey doing? Where's the monkey going? Is the monkey hungry? It's Kong. You know who he is. You know right. his name. I mean, again, like, cut it out. I talking about the basics of the script. It is. Uh, it's pretty telegraphed what they're trying to do there. <laughs> but yes, yeah. no, your, your your point. Your point is absolutely taken. Um, mm-hmm. Did you see it in theaters both times? No, one on one in theaters, and then one I just did on HBO Max at home. Yeah, so I did the one in theaters, and then I tried to do a full HBO Max, and then I found myself, which is weird because we're about to get into ratings in a second, and I feel like I might be a little higher on it than, than the two of you, but I also was like, all right, I'm just going to fast forward to the action scenes. I don't need, <laughs> I don't, I don't need this That's again. That's the way to do it. That's the way to do it after the fact. Yeah. yeah. See um, it in theaters the once for the spectacle, and then get on. Get that Dolby. All right, let's get into our ratings here. 
Uh, if you're just joining us for the first time, uh, we rate movies on the seat scale. If we think a movie is perfect, we give it a Royal Throne. If we think a movie is really great with little to no flaws, we go to plus recliner. If we think a movie's really good with some decent size glaring weaknesses, wooden seat, inverse of that. If we think a movie is the inverse of that, where it's pretty bad but has some decent things in it, we give it a damp lawn chair. And if we think a movie sucks, we give it a sleazy outhouse. And we rate things with a little bag of popcorn indicator if we think you need to see it in theaters, which I think I know how that's going to go, assuming everybody is relatively thumbs up on this, which it seems like we are. Jake, what is your rating for Godzilla vs. Kong? Yeah, this is this is a wooden seat with bag of popcorn. Um, I would definitely recommend seeing this in theaters. Uh, now that theaters are open a little bit more, people are starting to get vaccinated. But if you're still not feeling safe for theaters or you just like the convenience of your own home, at least put it on the TV. Don't do your laptop. Like We were just talking about give Kong respect. Give this movie a little respect. The spectacle and the action and the effects are good enough where it's earned it's earned your big screen. Uh, it's earned your time on the big screen. Nate? Yeah, I'll second that. I got to see this movie in a big Dolby screening, and this was the first time I've noticed like the chair rumble effect that they do in some theaters, and this movie was perfect for it. It was literally like a theme theme park ride. You know, you ever yeah. go on those go on the Kong ride at Universal, I think it is. There are some sweeping camera shots that literally take you down the fist of the monkey punching <laughs> punching Godzilla. Um, and you get, like, close-ups of the face as if you were in a spaceship flying by him. And it's such a fun spectacle in that regard to just go on the Godzilla versus Kong ride, if you will, um, at your local theater and enjoy the movie. So definitely, definitely a bag of popcorn. In terms of rating, I'm going to go wooden seat as well. This movie's just a little too stupid for its own good still. <laughs> <laughs> and as good as the action is, I I really think this could have done well with like one more good fight in a different location. Um, if you've if you've seen the trailer too much, you kind of know all the places you're going to go and just a matter about how the shots pan out, you know, you're going to see the one shot of Godzilla getting punched by Kong on the boat. That boat fight isn't too, too, too much longer than what you're seeing in the trailer. And that kind of still disappointed me a little bit. Um, but that said, it's a good ride. It's a lot of fun. Turn your brain off. Go back to the theater. This is a good theater revival kind of movie. I am in between on my ratings. Because I feel like it does enough to justify Plush Recliner for its intended purposes. Because I think the the final act of this movie is absolute chaos in the exact way that we want it to be. Um, the first two-thirds do enough. But the more I talk about the script, ugh, this is tough. L let me stall a little bit by basically saying this. Like, I'm very happy that this isn't a disaster because it very easily could have been. I think that I want to give a thumbs up to the score for Junkie from uh, Junkie XL, who has done a lot of high-profile scores like Mad Max Fury Road and Zack Snyder's Justice League, back-to-back movies. I think the music really enhances the thumping intensity and fun of the fights. There is an aspect of this movie that has really not been hinted at in the trailer, uh, which wasn't a surprise to me because I kind of had heard rumors that it was going to be part of it, but I think that added an extra element that was really fun towards the end. 
Mm, all right, I'll join you guys. I'll go very, 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 very high wooden seat. You do need to see it in theaters because I watched it here at home and it just doesn't have the same impact as the surround sound and the gorgeous visual effects. Like really great, like something's gonna have to look amazing to knock this off at least a nomination for best visual effects. A win, we'll have to see what Dune looks like. We'll have to see what Spider-Man and Shang-Chi look like in all those movies. But yeah, so I'll go wooden seat just because ugh, if it had like one more scene, it would be plus recliner. You can hear me fighting it here. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll want to Maybe I'll want to flip back when we get into spoilers. Spoilers are going to be a lot of just kind of talking about our favorite moments, I think. So yeah. let's head there. If you've not seen Godzilla vs. Kong, you can just log on to HBO Max. Don't do that. That was a trick. Don't do it. Go to the theater. <laughs> anyway, let's move into spoilers. Whoa! Oh, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert! Excuse me, spoiler alert. All right, I just want this on the record. Godzilla's an asshole. <laughs> he is. <laughs> He's the perfect kind. He earns that title, though. Hot damn, is he king. <laughs> yep, rightfully so. He's just like, they make it very clear he's not a villain, even though it seems like he's being a villain. He's just a dick. He just, he he's so cool. And then for him to get completely sunned by Mechagodzilla was was kind of satisfying. I got to be honest. All right. All right. So, yes, obviously Mechagodzilla was going to be the team up bad guy. We called this from the trailer. Like you obviously Kong and Godzilla had to team up and fight somebody. Um, I do think it's hilarious that in all the weeks building up to this movie's release, people were doing like the Kong matchup videos and the one thing that everyone kept on giving Godzilla shit for was you got no reach. You got the little T-Rex arms, right? And then um, Godzilla comes out, and the one big difference between Godzilla and Godzilla is that he's got, like, the full forearm extension to match up with <laughs> he's got elbows. arms. And I'm like, damn, son, they were watching the YouTube video. They knew. <laughs> they called it. <laughs> How can we beat? How can we beat regular Godzilla? What's his weakness? Arms. <laughs> yeah, dude, like Mechagodzilla gets a hold of him and like shoves his face into like three buildings, like just trying to yeah. concuss him to death. Like, oh yeah, that's tough. Yeah, so Mechagodzilla, it was obvious. Seeing all the gadgets and the the breath was cool. Even like his emergence from the science lab is cool. But I don't know if anybody else feels the same way here. But I hate. The design of Mechagodzilla's face, though, it reminds me of like the big Duplo Legos, where the eyes are just like stuck on a very rectangular box. I think it looks pretty. I, I think it could have been a little bit better as well. <laughs> I, it was cool I, when we first see him, but I thought it could have been done a little bit better once he's really emerged. I didn't even really think about that. I, I'll have to look at it again. <laughs> like, I also like grew up a little bit with the original Mechagodzilla design, where he looks like an '80s chrome toy and part of me just loves the dragon-esque look of it so to see literally rectangles mcgee walk out of the science lab with like honda <laughs> headlights nate, <laughs> so i was a little paved nate just described exactly how i was feeling i couldn't have said it better myself i think i'm with you i like the, the kind of toys a little right. bit and they're a little more dragony and then yeah this guy's just he's a he's a bunch of shiny lincoln logs like <laughs> <laughs> rectangles mcgee <laughs> Speaking of <laughs> speaking of names that are apt, it, even if you weren't the most forward-thinking viewer and you couldn't pick up on very 
obvious clues that Isaac Gonzalez and Demian Bashir and their entire Apex team wasn't up to any good. Their name is literally Apex, like Apex mm-hmm. Predator. Like, oh my god! Like, yeah. and like to be honest, making a thing to try to defeat Godzilla with isn't all the way evil. Like, he's literally changed the entire landscape of the world and yeah, how if, we stand on the totem. If ball. we actually lived in that world, we'd be going like that. Makes sense. God forbid Godzilla turns on people. Like, sure. Now, making it out of King Ghidorah's skull, right. yeah, that that's stupid mad scientist evil, but right. yeah. movie's got a movie. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, was was Apex the organization from the last one? I can't. I can't no, no, that was, that was Monarch some, was good guys. Monarch was good guys. Who was bad guys? Who was Charles Dance's organization? Do you uh, remember? I don't even think they're named. I think they're just eco-terrorists. Yeah. That's, it's really dumb. <laughs> The point is, I I I would have been incensed if they were still in power after the last one, but it's not yeah. the same. It's not the same group. <laughs> Let, let's talk about the escalation of the fights because I think they do a really good job at. First of all, they promised a clear winner, and I think and I think it's pretty clear Godzilla wins. Like yeah. hell to the yes. Yes. So Godzilla <laughs> easily wins round one, but that's because he ambushes Kong in a place where Kong is not used to, and Kong is trying to protect the kid. So he's trying to – it's it's more of a diversion thing and keeping everyone alive than actually going after – I mean he still gets a good punch in the face. But If you want to be ruler know. of planet Earth, you got to be good in the water too, just saying. <laughs> no excuses for monkey boy. That's true. <laughs> 70% water. But point. then they get on dry land. I mean Kong in that time, first of all, the hollow earth effects of him – you know, the, the the difference in the gravity I thought was really cool. I thought him finding the axe was really cool. Hmm. Made out of a Godzilla spine, too. That's a cool detail. Yeah. Godzilla nuke-breathing down to the core of the Earth to be <laughs> like, what up, boy? You know? That's, like, <laughs> that's what I couldn't say in spoilers, but I loved that when I first saw it, and that's what I wanted more of. When he when he realizes what Kong's doing and he just blows a hole into, the, into half the Earth, I was like, yep, that's what I needed from this movie. Like it's so stupid, but oh, like that's awesome. That's self-aware stupid. I I appreciate self-aware stupid. It like humans being stupid, annoying. Frustrating, me. yeah. But that's straight out of like an anime, right? Where just like the giant sky beam takes off and goes through the solar system. It was like that, yeah. In this movie, and that that's I fun. love that how that's how they lead to it too. He blows a hole into the earth, and Kong climbs through it to fight him. Like, yep. That is perfect. <laughs> Doesn't even climb through it. Like jumps in, has to go through the reversal of gravity back to the Earth's gravity just to go and kick his ass. Mm-hmm. Kong pretty definitively wins that fight. He has to run like a bitch for a little bit to get away from the nuke breath that is taking out all of the buildings around it. But once yeah. he gets a little bit of nuke residue on the front of the axe, it's he gets a good hit in, which is nice to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they just kind of start going at it again in the morning, and Godzilla almost kills That's him. That's the thing that kind of annoyed me. We had round one on the boat, Godzilla wins. Round two, Hong Kong at night, Kong wins. And then I'm like, ready for the third fight. Like, oh man, where are they going to go? Are they going to go back to the center of the earth or something? Or are they going to go to a different city or whatever? And we just do Hong Kong again, and I'm, I felt a little jipped by that. Yeah, I, was, yeah. Oh. I wanted a new location for the third round. It's like two and a half fights. I would have rather this movie go from 153 to 212 and get another good fight scene in somewhere else. Uh, I mean, I, I like I'm, I'm on board with it, but 
at the same time, I feel like we would be saying that 212 is too much. I don't know. Yeah. I, I hear what you're saying, though. I don't want to sound like I'm criticizing the fights because they were good. But when I say I think they could have been better, I'm talking like I wanted to see King Kong, Fireman Carry, and like pile drive Godzilla into the ground. I wanted <laughs> to see him grab his tail, yank him, and kick him in the face. Like, give me some real shit. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, some dirty fighting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like that second fight ended up being a lot of like running from the nuclear breath, tossing the top of a building at building at him, which was great. And then hitting him in the head in the axe, which was which was also great. But I just I wanted a little bit more like these are the two baddest beings on the planet and some of the most iconic characters, iconic characters in history. In the words of Ken Watanabe, let them fight. Go at it. Go to town. Mm-hmm. What what that's kind of saying to me is that they they're very aware that this is actually no contest. Like if Kong, the only round Kong is going to win, he has to run for his life the entire time. They understand that this is no contest. Mm-hmm. And I do respect the hell out of movie for sticking to its word and saying one yeah. definitive winner. I, yeah. I, yeah. I, I do appreciate that. I did think it was really cool when they started growling at each other. Like Godzilla was like, get, stay down. You know, like he didn't. Yeah. yeah. I won. This, this, this could end here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I thought like everything from that point on when he burrows into the earth, uh, first of all, uh, if it makes you feel better about Isaac Gonzalez, Kong literally grabbing the uh, <laughs> the ship out of the air and crushing it with his oh, hands. Yeah. It's yeah. a pretty good end. <laughs> the journey to the center of the earth stuff was – it was cool for the spectacle of it, but the whole – like you think about the logic for two seconds and it falls apart. Um, yeah. Like they can, <laughs> they can drill into the center and – email an energy source to the surface with a little drone like what the frick was that about and nobody picked up on this hollow earth stuff before like this was we knew about it from the last movie (laughs) did they really need it either like Ghidorah almost killed Godzilla on his own you add the tech that Apex has did it was it really that necessary it's just a side quest it's a reason to get Kong off of Skull Island yeah and like to show off the cool gravity effects that some artist definitely made and added into the movie of like, yeah, totally. Let's do this. <laughs> um, and not that that's a bad thing. I thought, I thought the landscape there was fun. I would have loved to spend more time fighting stuff in there and less yeah. time humans explaining the weird mysticism of it all. Another quick, like why so stupid aside, this giant apex corporation trusts this one, like, part-time professor to lead this entire military expedition down to the center of the earth because he wrote a book about a theory we already knew was true it's just like agreed that's dumb (laughs) but all like so he wrote a book and he also was like he also was part of the previous mission that failed horribly so why not give him the keys to the ignition again i guess but yeah there's a dozen reasons why most of that does not make sense and even oh and then apex like apex puts nathan in charge and then nathan is in charge of all of Kong stuff. Does Apex own King Kong on Skull Island? That wasn't really clear. <laughs> yeah. Like, could you imagine if Elon Musk just was able to say, oh yeah, we have access to all the nukes because we have money and we said so, right? <laughs> right. It's basically that. <laughs> and yeah. I, I gotta say, I am sick of characters making stupid decisions like when Millie Bobby Brown, uh, Briar and Tyree Henry, and Julian Dennison. Yeah. Uh, when they find the Mechagodzilla pit, but before we find out it's Mechagodzilla, they walk in and they're like, what is this place? And Briary Henry goes, a big corporation sacrificial chamber, this would be it. And I'm like, and you continue walking? (laughs) Why? 
turn around. What are you walking yeah. for? Like, I'm so sick of that. His character was straight out of when I was talking about the '90s movie. Like, you could you could copy and paste his character from Independence Day, and just like mm. drop it in. You could put it in the from the 1998 Godzilla. If we're going to talk about that, I I liked him because I like Brian Tyree Henry a lot, and he sells a lot of crap. But the right, the right. I didn't like him at all. <laughs> Nate, I'm with I, you. I like him as an actor, but I don't think oh, most of his jokes did not land for me. Agreed. I, I thought his energy sold it more than it should have. But I think it's a new, it's an old school, new school way of thinking because like there are not characters like that in movies today that are well liked. <laughs> you know, like mm. he felt like a relic of another time. I want to go back to the monkey because, well, the, first of all, my two favorite moments of the movie are back to back. It's when Alexander Skarsgård revives <laughs> revives Kong with the with the ship using Insane. it as a defibrillator. That was your favorite moment? I thought that was so stupid. Okay. Well, you didn't <laughs> No, I didn't say that was my favorite. I said that was my second right, favorite. Right, sorry, my sorry. first favorite is when Godzilla popped his shoulder out and Kong uses the building to pop his shoulder back in. <laughs> See, that was <laughs> that cool. was great. That was, that was so cool. cool. Like yeah. when I saw he dislocated his shoulder, I was like they have to pop that in somehow. I don't know. I don't know if Godzilla's going to help him or they're going to get a God only knows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Basically, I love how the little girl like gives him instructions just to kill <laughs> Mecha Godzilla. He's like, yeah, go take Ridiculous. care of that for me. And that was a good team up fight. You know, that was. Yes. Hmm. Those two versus yeah, Mecha Godzilla. Middle of the day. Solid. Very clear. All of the buildings have been destroyed already. So they have an open battlefield. Godzilla. A lot of wide screen shots. A lot of wides. Godzilla using the nuke breath. To charge the axe for Kong, who yeah. in turn decapitates Mechagodzilla and rips the spine out. He loves to do that, by the way. That's like his favorite. Yes, he, does. <laughs> he, he, he does it. He does it like three times in this movie, and he did it at least twice in Kong Skull Island. Yeah, and, and Godzilla's signature move is opening up the jaws of his enemies and breathing radioactive breath down his. Down he, he doesn't really have another move. <laughs> he he over relies on that. Okay, if you had a gun at a boxing ring and you were allowed to use it, you would use it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yes. But well, also, if we want to talk about silly things in movie fights, it's super cool, but I don't know that it makes sense logically. When Kong is like leaping from aircraft carrier to aircraft carrier, really, really cool, but you tell me none of those boats sank after that? They didn't even dip a little bit. The impact like, would be ridiculous. Yeah, this, no, the, this, this is a monumental character and like those boats don't move at all. I don't know about that, but I, it's super, I just, super cool. It, it is stunning that the one that they both stand on can hold its weight. It's they, just fine. Yeah. Whatever. It's a cool shot. Whatever. Exactly. And that's exactly it. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, okay. We got to wrap this up. Um, Nate, why don't you start launching into final thoughts? Yep. This movie is going to be my new standard of dumb fun. You know, yeah, if you yeah. want to just have a good time, but make fun of the insane movie logic that this thing comes up with to try to explain its plot. Yeah, this is this is your film. It, it's not enough to get a plush recliner for me. Still, I'm very definitive wouldn't see on it because um, there, there are some things I watch out of the theater saying like, what the frick was that? <laughs> but I also said the exact same things about the fights and that was like, what the frick, man? That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a good enough mix of both. I love that Godzilla is still king of this planet because he absolutely deserves that title. And I'm curious to see what they can do next with this without seeming like a step down because whatever planet Earth is left after this <laughs> is just 
three uh, Godzilla fights away from just falling apart in half, you know, just drifting off into the solar system. <laughs> Hot take, I think they're done. I don't think we're getting any more. And you know what? That isn't the worst thing in the world. It's like, we'll go back to Pacific Rim remakes after this, I guess, <laughs> and go from there. Overall, had fun with it. That's all I can say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jake? Yeah, I'm going to sound pretty similar. Um, basically, like Nate said, it's the new bar for dumb fun. Like, are you going to have fun with this? Absolutely. But are there head-scratching moments? Absolutely. If I had to guess, I would agree that we're probably done. But yet, as harsh as I was on some parts of this movie, I would like to see a sequel. This was fun, and the world needs more fun. <laughs> so there are other kaijus they can introduce, like uh, Destroya, for example, is a big one in the Godzilla-verse. There's a couple others that I don't remember their names, but... Um, there's room for sequels if they really feel like it. And, you know, now we know that we like Kong as a character. He works. Godzilla's still a badass, so he works. So there's room for sequels if they want them. But right, I don't know if we're going to get them. But yeah, this was super, super fun. Most people can, I mean, maybe not everybody, but a lot of people can enjoy this to some extent. And that's basically it. I think this is probably the best possible version of what this realistically was always going to be. Cause they're not going to make a movie where it's two hours of them just kicking the shit out of each other. Like, which is never going to happen. Um, mm -hmm. so it's a matter of when you, what, what you can temper in terms of the human characters. And I think, like I said, the word I used at the beginning of the review was acceptable. And I found that a lot of the human stuff was at least, is there maybe a little too much of it? Whatever. I, I, I guess, but like at the same time, Realistically, this was always going to be how it was, and none of it annoyed me like it did aggressively in the past film. This is just a good time. There's no really not much more to say besides that. I think a good indication of how these movies work is if, like, I feel the need to go back and watch YouTube clips of some of the top highlights um, in the future. Uh, and I'm definitely going to watch Kong popping his shoulder back in pretty frequently. <laughs> so Godzilla vs. Kong, that's that. Good time. Recommended, I think, across the board. Just with tempered expectations, which if you listen to us, you probably already have. That'll do it for this episode of the Middle Teats Podcast. Before we go, Nate Lungarini, where can they find us on the internet? Alrighty, here's how you can get in touch with us. Please like, comment, subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Middle Seats. You can also listen to us on the go on all your podcast platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. For questions, comments, and updates on the show, keep an eye on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at The Middle Seats. And if you like what you hear and you want to see more content, let us know and spread the word. We've got a full backlog of stuff that I guess you can call this a new season of The Middle Seed since we came back in December. Whatever for your unofficial records. But there are plenty of reviews we've done in the past. Uh, we're going to have more coming as the summer months come along. So check us out for that. Stick with us. We've got a lot of good content on the way. That'll do it for us. For Nate Lungarini and Jake Hensler, I'm Andrew Jay. Keep that seat warm, everyone. We'll be back soon. <laughs>